You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. All right, man, it's good to see you guys here today. A couple of things as we get going here. Obviously, next Sunday is the night of worship, and I'm so pumped about that. Um, Maybe you didn't know this, but all the songs that we will be singing that night are all original songs that our team has written that we're really excited about uh, to share and enjoy as a church, but then also uh, our goal is to record this and and hopefully bless uh, really churches all over the world with this. So uh, how many of you guys are planning on coming this next Sunday night? All right, awesome, good deal. If the person next to you did not raise their hand, elbow them, give them an appropriate amount of shame, and then we will forgive them in Jesus' name. Next Sunday, we're also starting a new series called It's Your Turn, as we mentioned in The Five. Man, I'm pumped about this because our church is really in a crossroads. Like, we, we really have some big decisions to make. We feel like God has given us some pretty incredible opportunities, and as a church, we wanna move forward, and, and uh, I hope that you will attend the series. This is one of those series where, as your pastor, I basically say you can't miss one of these Sundays because it's so vital uh, for our church, and so I hope you'll uh, be a part of this. It all kind of culminates on December 8th where we take our, our vision offering. We don't do special offerings at Fiddles Church, uh, but we do collect one special offering a year, and we call it our vision offering. It goes to fund all these various things that God has laid on our heart to do, and so uh, this is a, a really big series uh, for our church. I hope you'll be here. And then lastly, I just wanna say, man, last Sunday, Pastor Landon did an amazing job. What a great sermon uh, he preached, and I'm so thankful for him. Uh, love to see his growth and what God is doing in uh, his life. Today, I wanna close our series that we've called uh, The Place of Peace. And so if you've got your Bibles, let's go to Matthew chapter 18. As you're turning to Matthew, I want us to start in uh, Isaiah here, and you can just kind of look up on the screen. Isaiah 9, 6, this is a prophecy talking about the coming Messiah hundreds of years before Jesus would be born. But Isaiah says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Let's say this last phrase together, ready? The Prince of Peace. In the Prince of Peace, we're in a series that we're calling The Place of Peace, and we need to start here again today, that that peace is a person. His name is Jesus, and you have an opportunity in a relationship with him to experience his peace that transcends all understanding, but but here's what I've come to know. Just simply saying, okay, I love you, Jesus, does not give you peace. It doesn't just happen that easily. I started this series by saying that the most difficult season of my life started a couple years ago. Lost my mother to cancer, lost my sister eight months later to cancer. And I can tell you that I love Jesus, I was pursuing Jesus, but at the same time, even though I knew the Prince of Peace, I wasn't experiencing a level of peace in my heart. I was experiencing a struggle with anxiety and depression and and many, many other emotions that were flooding my heart, flooding my my mind. And, and, And so I want us to start here today again that you can love Jesus and still be struggling with peace today. You can love Jesus and still struggle with anxiety, with depression, and and my hope and my goal through this series is is hopefully a way to show you that there is a path to in fact experience this peace even in the midst of that journey. But one thing I haven't really talked about much is this kind of other situation that was going on just in my personal life 
during all of this grief in my life. And it, it really made for a, a chaotic kind of storm in my heart. And, and the enemy was really kind of just beating me up with this. And, and uh, my, my thought is that many of you have dealt with this as well. And so today I wanna spend some time really unpacking that and, and talking about it because if, if we don't get this right, then it will rob us of peace in our life. It'll rob us of peace, we won't experience peace, and it will ruin relationships all around our life. Uh, a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago, uh, I took some of our staff to a church conference, and so we were, we were together, we were singing praises to Jesus, I love you Jesus, all this, it was great, and we would go out to eat at night and hang, and it was, it was good stuff, and let's just say one night, uh, Brandon and I, Pastor Brandon, decided we were just gonna go get pizza one night, and, and uh, he orders a, pep, a sausage pizza, right? So he orders this sausage pizza, and we go, we pick up this pizza together, and uh, walk into Domino's, get it. He, we walk out, you know, about 20 feet. He checks it just to make sure, and he looks at it, and it's a pepperoni pizza. And you know what he does, right? He's like, what is this? And he, he storms back into Domino's, busts through the door, throws the pizza down, pounds on the counter, and he says, I ordered a sausage pizza. This is pepperoni, man. What are you thinking you're doing? He's just giving this guy what for, right? Five minutes ago, I love you, Jesus. And now he's like, treating this guy like garbage, right? And I'm standing there and I'm watching this whole thing and I'm like, Brandon, bro, let it go. Our, our, our boy made a mistake, right? You gotta forgive him, you gotta let it go. Now he could turn to me and he could say, you don't know me, Trent. You don't know my story, man. You don't know what I've been through. And then I maybe proceed to listen to a story. And he says, one time my dad, he ordered pepperoni pizza and he choked on the pepperoni as he was driving in his car. He caused him to wreck. Pepperoni pizza flew out the window, hit a bus driver in the neck. He wrecked the bus into a tree. It blew up and burned up all the school kids. Trent, you don't know my story, man. I'm sorry. I didn't know the whole pepperoni deal had so much to it, man. Now, that's not a true story, by the way, just so you know. But my point is, you know what we do often in our life? We, we, give our li we give ourselves license to be bitter towards people. Uh, when we walk in and we, we say things like, man, you, you don't know what I've been through. You know my story, Trent. You don't know how he hurt me. You don't know what my parents did to me. You don't know what my girlfriend did. You know how my heart was broken. You don't know what I've gone through. And we allow the story in our life to give us license to carry unforgiveness and bitterness in our life. Has that ever happened to you? What I wanna start with today is that God knows your story. He says, I love you, I know your story, I know your pain, I know your betrayal, I know your short fuse. I, I invite you to walk in a relationship with me, I invite you to walk with me and be with me, and, I, and, and, and his desire is that you and I would live in the place of peace, that we would live in peace with him, and so we've gotta get rid of that stuff that keeps us from, from living in a place of bitterness living in a place of unforgiveness in our lives so that we can enjoy the Prince of Peace, the peace that transcends all understanding only found in Jesus Christ. You know what damages our relationships more so than anything else in our life? I would say not forgiving people. A lack of forgiveness demonstrated in your life will lead to more pain, will lead to more suffering in your life 
will lead to more anxiety and depression in your life than I think anything else. And you and I, as followers of Jesus, we are invited into a life of following Jesus that is characterized by forgiveness. The path that Jesus is calling us to walk is a path of forgiveness. It's not a one-time deal, you know, forgive this guy, but not these kind of people. It's an ongoing journey where you and I are gonna be hurt and we're gonna suffer and, and, and we're gonna be faced with the reality that for us to move forward, to enjoy the peace that transcends all understanding, we're going to need to forgive. Now the path of the world is eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, hurt me, I'm gonna hurt you back. It's revenge. But Jesus is calling us to a different way of life. His way, God's way, is paved with forgiveness. I read a book by Andy Stanley uh, Stanley called, It It Came From Within. And in the book, he spends a lot of time talking about anger and, 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 and and the basis of that anger and how it destroys and wrecks our relationships. And he says, essentially, when people hurt you, uh, essentially what's happening is, 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 is they have taken something from you. So you are hurt, they essentially took something from you. So think about it, when, when somebody slanders you, talks bad about you, you might say that they took your reputation. If someone abused you as a kid, you might say that they took your dignity away. Um, if, if, if you say, you know what, this person betrayed me, Perhaps they took away your ability to trust other people. Maybe your dad wasn't in your life, and so you might say he took your childhood away. So essentially, when somebody hurts us, when somebody does something against us that causes pain in our life, here's what's happening. A debt was incurred, and they owe you something. Man, you lied about me. You lied to me. You owe me an apology. You abused me. You owe me my virginity. You weren't in my life when I was little. You owe me my childhood back. Now most of the time, we think the remedy for pain is payback. And that's why revenge movies are so popular in our day and time. We love a good re- revenge movie. Some, somebody has taken something from the hero and the hero spends the next two hours paying everybody back. We love it. Young Guns, a little throwback to, the, to all, the, all the folks that know Young Guns. Reap it, Sheriff Murphy. You know what I mean? Boom, right in the head. Yes! Right? Gladiator, one of my favorite movies. His wife and kid is, is murdered, so he takes it out on the whole country of Rome and he gets Revenge, Braveheart, his wife is murdered. He takes it out on the whole country of England. These are great, great movies. The whole Taken series is about revenge, right? You've seen Liam Neeson, like the Taken movies are are classic. And anytime you've been hurt, especially if you're a dad and somebody's hurt your family, you've had this vision. Let's just admit it today. You've wanted to call that person and say, I have a very particular set of skills. (laughs) Right? You wanted to go through the whole thing, and uh, it feels good to think about uh, revenge. And a lot of times, we think that the best way to deal with our pain is actually to cause pain in someone else's life, pay them back. But we don't immediately know what anger is gonna do in our life. We don't, we don't set a goal of being, I wanna be a bitter old man one day. 
I want to be a bitter wife. You know, that's one of my top goals for 2020, 2020. You know, we don't do that. Essentially, we get wounded, we, we get hurt, then we get angry. That anger boils our blood, and then we start to replay those incidents over and over in our head. We desire to pay them back. We desire for revenge on the people that hurt us. But what we don't realize is that anger is actually poisoning all the other relationships that are in our life. And so the tension in our life as followers of Christ is that this anger is going to become one of the biggest reasons why we don't forgive people. And eventually that anger, if not dealt with, will turn into bitterness. And bitterness is really, really difficult to see in the mirror. You might admit that you're anxious or you, know, you struggle with anxiety. You might be able to say, you know what, I feel like I'm depressed. But bitterness in our own heart is really difficult to see. And it robs you of your joy. It robs you of peace in life. You feel exhausted. Some of the symptoms are, are, are that you just don't experience joy in your life. You tend to isolate yourself. And here's the reality. Depression has a lot of symptoms that are, are similar to a bitter heart. And so you wanna be careful about that. You wanna identify that in your life. It's, it's, it's sometimes hard to see in yourself. Bitterness becomes this weight in your life. That, that if this is like my happiness meter, like super, super happy and super, super not happy, bitterness becomes this weight in our life that just doesn't allow my happiness to get above a certain level and just constantly just kind of pulls me down. So here's a question. We need to wrestle with this today as we get going. How long are you gonna allow people you don't even like, <laughs> people who may not even be in your life today, to control your life? How long? How long you want this deal to play out? You want it to keep going in your marriage? You want, you want that anger and bitterness to kind of infect your kids, your grandkids? How long? How long are you gonna allow people that have hurt you in your past to continue to hurt you, continue to control your emotions today, continue to control your thoughts, continue to control how you relate to your husband today? How long do you want this to last? Or do you wanna do something about it? I think for many of us, we would say we wanna do something about it, but we just don't know what to do. It's, it's easy to say, just forgive them. And they're like, okay, well, I don't know how to do that. Well, luckily in our scripture today, Jesus gives us some extremely helpful uh, commands that if you'll apply this to your life today, I believe the Holy Spirit will set your heart free. And isn't that what we want? We want our hearts to be free, free of sin, free of this weight, Here's what Jesus says, 18, chapter 18, verse 21. It says, then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times, I love this. He thinks just like what we think. So give us a number, Jesus. Like if you get hurt in life, like what's the limit? Like I gotta forgive this guy if he hurts me like three times, four times, seven times. I mean, give me a number. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. I, I do not say uh, to you seven times, but 77 times. In other words, if the same person continually offends you, he's saying you don't just forgive them one, two, seven times. You always provide and give willingly forgiveness. And then he goes into a parable, which is a story that Jesus tells that has a point. And so here's what he says in verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought up to him who owed him 10,000 talents. 
And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience, circle that word in your Bible with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him. Homie, <laughs> choke slam. Pay what you owe, he says. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have what? Patience, circle it again, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and he went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had happened, what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also, listen, 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 so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Ouch. So how do we deal with this? In the parable, the master's going to settle the debt with the servant and he's gonna settle it by selling his wife, selling this man, and selling his kids. Uh, according to the law at that time, that was perfectly legal. That was how he was gonna get uh, some of his uh, payment for the debt back. Uh, then he did something completely uh, impossible, something completely uh, out of left field. He, he forgives him. But when the, when the man comes and, and, and calls him on the debt, the man actually pleads with him. He asks for patience and he does the impossible, or he promises the impossible rather. He says, I will pay you everything back. Now 10,000 talents was an enormous amount of money. Now if you are a math genius, um, you would geek out on all the kind of stats and uh, equations that people come up with to kind of figure out how much money this really meant. That's not me, I'm gonna give you the bottom line about $7 billion in today's time. This is what the servant owed, right? That's a lot of money. He would never be able to pay that back. You would never be able to pay that amount back. So what we're seeing is the debt is beyond his ability to pay. And so the servant begs the king and he asks him to be patient with him. Now, the Greek word is actually tied into what the Hebrew word is, which translates long-suffering. And so this expression, long-suffering, is a verb that means that we are able to suffer long. It involves the idea that it's gonna take a while for us to get riled up, to get angry. And so long-suffering means you're slow to anger. And so he's asking the king to be slow to become angry. This idea of long suffering is this inner power to receive mistreatment from other people but not break down. It's really what a forgiving spirit is. It's not losing that inner poise as you're facing adversity. And so he's asking the king to give and provide patience, long suffering with him. So this is what a forgiving person looks like. He's someone who is able to suffer under the circumstances to suffer 
patiently with inner poise and provide patience and provide compassion. So let's break it down here. What does the king demonstrate to us? What does a forgiving heart, a forgiving person look like? Number one, write this down. The king took pity on the man. So you and I have to take pity on other people. Verse 27, he has pity on him. Pity is this Greek word that gives us the idea that we are moved with compassion because of someone else's misery. So we are moved with compassion because of their misery. And so because of that, we're able to understand and put ourselves in their shoes. When you are hurt though, you want people to take pity on you. <laughs> as soon as somebody hurts you, you want people to feel sorry for you. Can you believe what this jack wagon did to me? Right, feel sorry for me, man. Have pity on me. I was the one that got hurt. Right, that's what we long for. And then the other thing that we long for when somebody hurts us is, is we actually want to elevate ourselves by putting them down. So it makes us feel better to focus on, hey, pity on me, and then, hey, I'm better than this guy. Some woman, you know, bad mouths you, gossips about you, you know what your instinct is? <laughs> seen her, she's a terrible person, she's a terrible mother. You seen what her daughter puts on Instagram? <laughs> better than her, <laughs> right? That's what we do, why? because when I put her down, it elevates myself and that helps me feel better about the situation, but that doesn't, that doesn't allow us to forgive anyone. By focusing on how better I am than that person that hurt me, it makes me feel good, but it doesn't help. Without forgiveness, your anger is gonna turn into bitterness, you're gonna lose that peace in your spirit, and then all the relationships in your life are gonna be tainted with that poisonous, bitter heart. In order to have a forgiving spirit, you can't let your heart go there. You can't give in to that temptation to live with that kind of mentality. You've gotta take pity on other people. In other words, you've gotta be moved with compassion and, and you've gotta stir in your heart that, listen, hurt people, hurt people. And so you have to find what's in common between you and the person that hurt you. You're like, oh, Trent, no, man. You are killing me today, bro. You are killing me today. I know, it's not easy. You've gotta put yourself in a situation to where you see what you have in common. What do you have in common with that person that hurt you? A, you're a sinner. You've hurt people too. You've talked bad about people too. You've done some pretty terrible things in your life as well. Oh, and hurt people, you know, they've been hurt when they were kids. They were hurt by people in their life and that's why they hurt people. There's something broken in them. So step one is I have to begin to take pity on others. I've gotta be moved with compassion in my life so that I can see the pain and hurt in other people's life as well. They're broken. They need Jesus just like us. Here's the second thing that we do. As if that's not hard enough, he decides to cancel the debt. The king cancels the debt. Instead of taking revenge, he cancels the debt. Right? This is what he does. He, take, he doesn't take revenge, he cancels the debt. And so as he is canceling the debt, he is releasing this person who owes him a lot of money. Listen, canceling the debt doesn't mean you take legal action or you never seek recourse when wrong is done to you. That's, that's not what happens. 
In fact, what he's telling us to do is he's actually asking us to forgive those people who have wronged us. He's asking us, those people who have hurt us, offended us, there's a debt of pain created. Forgiveness happens when the debt is paid in full. It has to be paid so that you can overcome that pain and experience that peace. The debt is real, the pain is real. But our instinct is that we want them to pay for it, right? They hurt us, they need to pay for it, and how they pay for it is step one, they need to apologize to me. Step two, they need to suffer. I want them to be poor, maybe go to jail, somebody needs to beat them up. (laughs) Is this just me, or do you guys think about this as well? Or is this real? We want them to pay for it. But listen, here's the the tragedy in our life. The truth is, I want to hurt them. I might feel better for a moment. It might decrease that debt a little bit. But even if they go to jail, even if they get the death penalty, it's not going to relieve the debt that is still there. Because the debt of pain is real in your heart. And the only person that can cancel that debt and that can pay that debt is you. They can, they can jump through hoops, they can apologize 50 million times, they can go to jail, they can have a miserable life and you might enjoy all of that, it might make you feel better for a little bit, but it's never going to relieve the, the prison of unforgiveness and bitterness in your heart until you decide to cancel the debt. Sometimes we think canceling the, the debt means that we're letting them off the hook. But that's not what it means. Forgiveness isn't letting them off the hook. It means that you are through. You are done with letting them continually traumatize you. You're done with that. You're not gonna let them own you anymore. You're not gonna let them impact your relationship today anymore. You're not gonna allow them and what they did to you cause you to parent in a poor manner. You're gonna relieve that. The king gave up his right to be paid back. And that's the essence of forgiveness. It's a decision. It's a decision to pay the debt yourself and to cancel it. They they owe you. I get it. But you can pay the debt down and you can show them forgiveness today. Uh, When I was dealing with things I was going through over the last couple of years, there was another situation happening in my life. Um, there was a, 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 a pastor who promised us something, not, not in this church, but, but that promise was then broken. They, they, they took that promise away. And, and listen, I don't know if you're like me, if you're a parent, but like when you hurt me, like I'll deal with it, you know, I can, I can, I can, I can deal with it. You hurt my wife, and you hurt my kids, it's a kind of a whole nother level of I wanna get even, right? The old trend, old sin nature comes out, I'm ready to fight, I'm ready, you know? It, it, it stirs its ugly head in me. And so that's where I was, it was taken from me. They, they owed me something. And when that was taken from me, it, it, it impacted uh, our family in a great, great way. And so now we have to deal with that. And so now I'm dealing with bitterness, grief, anxiety, depression, and now I've got bitterness stirring up and anger, like a whirlwind. It's like a tornado in my heart. And it was just an emotional, just kind of like, ugh, there was a lot going on. And I had to begin to deal with that. And I had to say, okay, what am I gonna do here? It feels really good when I gossip. It feels really good when I slander. 
here's what I wanna do, here's a plan of revenge and, and I could go do this and I could do this and oh man, I got every legal right because I got things in writing and I got signatures and I've got all this kind of stuff and man, I, can, I, could, I could go for it. But then I was like, all right, well, I could do what I wanna do or I could go back to God's word. What am I gonna do? Let's go back to this verse, verse 33. Should, shouldn't you, Trent, have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? I guess, I don't know. <laughs> That's not for me, Jesus. That's for other people. You know what they did to me, right? Pastors should keep their words, right? No, shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? That's a question for you today. Shouldn't you, having experienced the mercy of God's forgiveness, shouldn't you have also shown forgiveness and mercy to that person that hurt you. You see, we find the servant who had been forgiven by the king in the same position to forgive somebody that owed him money. His buddy owed him uh, a denarii, which is a fraction, you know, it's like 50 bucks or so. So he, a fraction of money, he could have paid him back. He could have scrounged out some money and, and paid him back, but the fellow servant did not do that. He threw him in prison to pay back what he owed him. He did not show the same amount of mercy. He wanted him to pay it back himself. And so essentially what happens is this makes the king extremely angry. And so in verse 34, in anger, the master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. So the purpose of the story is clear now, right? The king in the story represents God. And the servant who had his debts forgiven represents everybody in this room who has had your sins forgiven by God. And then the second servant is anybody we are holding a grudge against, anybody that has hurt us. These people are the ones who have offended you, they have hurt you, they've embarrassed you, they've abandoned you, they've rejected you. These are the people who owe us, these are the people who have, that we have a legitimate case against. And he is saying, I want you to forgive them. I know that some of you are thinking, wait a second, I'm the victim, I'm the one that got hurt. I'm the one who is experiencing pain in this moment. They don't deserve this. You're telling me that if I don't forgive them, then my heavenly Father is gonna treat each of me, you're gonna treat each of us in the same way? Like you're telling me that? I'm not exactly sure what, you know, I'm gonna treat each of you in the same way really means other than it's a really, really bad thing that we don't want. And so for every single one of us, we have to come to the point to where we understand that if we are holding on to bitterness, if we are waiting to be paid back for those wrongs, you will be the one who suffers. If on the other hand, you cancel the debts that are owed to you, you will be set free. Which one do you want? You get to decide. People say, I don't wanna forgive them, I want justice. I want justice, I don't wanna forgive them. But listen, if you don't forgive, you will never get justice. Even if they go to jail, even if they suffer, you will never, until you forgive, 
allow the Spirit of God to heal your heart and give you justice until you let them, till you cancel that debt. Because here's the reality. If forgiveness is in your heart today, write this down. The only justice that releases your heart from bitterness and gives you the place of peace is forgiveness. Forgiveness is it. Forgiving the person that hurt you is the only justice that your heart will ever experience. Because again, even if the courts give them justice, your heart is still hurt. There's still bitterness inside your spirit. On the surface, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, And and it, it makes a lot of sense for me to be resentful. And it makes a lot of sense for me to dog them and to put them down because they're evil people. You know, we have every right to be upset, but God's, from God's perspective, it's the most damaging thing that you could ever do in your life is to hold on to that anger and to hold on to that bitterness. So let me close today with some practical steps to work you through forgiveness. Here's the first one. We've got to admit that you've been hurt. See, there's a lot of people in the room, and sometimes it's a lot of, a lot of guys who don't want to admit that they've been hurt. Like, oh, your, your parents got a divorce when you were eight. I'm sure that was really hard. Nah, not a big deal, I'm cool. Like, what? No, that, that's a big deal, right? Um, yeah, my husband left me, but no biggie, we're, I'm good now. Like, what? No. No, you gotta admit that there's pain there. If you're not willing to admit that you're hurting, you'll never be able to get to step three, two, three, and four. So here's some, here's some questions that help you know that you've been hurt. Do you daydream about getting revenge on somebody? <laughs> I got a gun in the thing and then I could, nah, nah. <laughs> if that's you, you need to check it right now, right? Like I've got something going on stirring in my life. If you, if you are thinking about the one-liner that you're gonna give to old boy when you go to school or you know, homegirl at work, like if you're thinking I'm getting ready to say this. If this happens again, then you've got some bitterness issues in, in your life. If you keep replaying the incident that hurt you however many years ago in your mind, if that keeps coming back into your mind, you've been hurt. Is there ongoing tension in your marriage, ongoing tension with somebody at work, ongoing tension? Listen, if there's ongoing tension in relationships around you, there's one common denominator. You, right? Somebody hurt you, that's why you're hurting, and that's why there's tension around you. Here's the second thing you gotta do after you admit it. You gotta identify the people with whom you're angry. Who are are you angry with? You say, that's an easy one. (laughs) For some of you, it's easy. For others, not so easy. Write this down, who hurt you? Was it a family member? Is it a past friend? Was it a deceased parent or grandparent? Was it a clown at Walmart when you were five that scared you? Who hurt you? Like, what what happened? Was it a teacher who embarrassed you? Was it an an, an ex-wife? Was it an ex-husband? Was it somebody in your life that, that hurt you? You've got to begin to identify with the person with whom you are angry. And then number three, you have to determine what they owe you. What do they owe you? What do they owe you? You might say, well, why would I have to actually think about that? And I would say, if you don't understand what they owe you, you don't actually know what you're mad about. You have to process this. You gotta think about it. 
So maybe your, your dad left when, he was, when you were little. What does he owe you? Maybe he owes you time. He owes you your childhood. Maybe your ex-husband who left you, he cheated on you, he owes you an apology. What do they owe you? You know, it's important for us to write this down because as I see what I am writing down, like if, if, if a dad left you and he owes you your childhood back, who's gonna be able to pay you back for that? Nobody. Your dad can't go back in time and fix that. The only way that your heart is healed is by you canceling the debt and offering forgiveness. You gotta be able to determine what they owe you so that you can get to number four, which is you pay down the debt and cancel it. You pay it down, you cancel it, you release them, you forgive them. And as you forgive them, you begin to pay down the weight of pain and the weight of debt that they in fact owe you. You see, if the debt is never paid, you'll never be free. Somebody has to pay for the debt. You say, okay, how do you pay for the debt? That's a great question. How are you practically gonna pay for the debt of pain that somebody has inflicted into your life? Well, here's an example. Every time you think about a way to take revenge, you take that thought captive and you say, no, 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 I'm not going down there. I'm not thinking about revenge. I'm forgiving this person. And in that moment, you pay down the debt a little bit. Every time you start thinking about how you're gonna, you start gossiping about this person, you start dogging this person to you know, somebody, every time you're tempted to talk neg negatively about the person that hurt you, you take that captive and you go, no, 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 no. I've forgiven this person. I'm not gonna mention this. I'm not gonna say that because I've let them go. I've released them. And when you do that, you pay down the debt just a little bit. And as you do this over and over and over again in your life, uh, you begin to pay that debt down. Now listen, it is a painful thing to do. That's why most people don't do it. Most people just carry the bitterness around in their heart. Your heart is going to resist this. Your flesh is going to resist this. But every time you do it, every time you begin to pay it down, you forgive them a little bit more. You refuse to gossip. You refuse to take revenge. You refuse to speak ill will about them. And you are paying down that debt. And what begins to happen is that your heart becomes free. That debt one day is paid in full. And you beat them with love because now your heart is free. When you do this, it doesn't settle all the questions about fairness. It doesn't settle all the questions about blame, but it does allow you to move on. It does allow you to develop new relationships, maybe even rekindle old relationships that have been hurt because of this situation. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I have had on you? That's the question, right? That's the question. Here's what happens if you don't. If you hang on to that anger, you hang on to that hatred, you don't forgive, here's what happens. That bitterness lives inside of your heart. It squeezes the life out of you. You, you can't articulate it, but you're angry at your kids consistently. You're angry at people at work. You're angry at your husband. At the slightest thing that happens to you, you get irritated. Why is that? Bitterness is growing and living inside your heart. 
And here's what you need to understand today. Forgiveness, you see, is a decision. It's not a feeling. You're, you're not gonna get to a point to where you say, okay, I feel like forgiving today. I feel better about this, so I'm just gonna, no, it's a decision. It's a decision that you make. And then there's times in your life where you think you made the decision and then some feelings come back. You ever thought that? You were around somebody or you, know, you went through this, you forgave somebody that hurt you and then you saw them, you ran into them, you experienced them and when you did, all these emotions and feelings and all this stuff kind of came back and you're like, oh my gosh, I thought I forgave this person but as soon as I saw him, I wanted to cut his head off. I don't know what it was but it was just like, ah, ah that was forgiveness. But what does that mean? It doesn't necessarily, not your judge, doesn't necessarily mean that you haven't forgiven them, but it does mean the debt is still there and you still got work to do. You still got work to do. It reveals that it's still there. And so as you begin to forgive sincerely, you're paying down that debt by refusing to think ill about them, by releasing them, by moving in the direction of following Jesus and that debt gets smaller and smaller and smaller until you get to the point to where, yeah, I'm really having pity on them. I really see they're just broken, they're just hurt. Just like, just like I was in my life and that's why they've lashed out and done these things. And, and you know what? I, I choose to forgive them and I, I, I release them and, and, and I pay down that debt until one day you realize, and you don't even know when it's gonna be, but you'll see them. You'll run into them at the grocery store. You'll see them at Starbucks and you'll be like, oh my gosh, there's so-and-so. I don't feel anything. <laughs> That's the place of peace. When the Holy Spirit of God transforms your heart to where the person maybe a year ago you were ready to punch in the face. Now you're, you're free from them. You're free. And that's what you want. That's what we need. I love what Lewis Smedes, he's an author. He's a professor of theology. He once said, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that that prisoner was you. <laughs> I love that. I love it. Some of you are a prisoner today. And to experience freedom from that prison, you've got to let them go. You've got to forgive. You've got to pay down the debt, cancel it. Here's a prayer that I want to encourage you guys to make your own today. This is homework for you, okay? Write this down, take a picture of it. You go home, you tell the Lord this, maybe even today. You say, Lord, they owe me. Because they do, they owe you, right? They hurt you. But I owed you too. And you were willing to cancel my debt, Lord, so I cancel their debt. I forgive, fill in the blank. Don't say their name out loud. <laughs> they might be in here. I forgive so-and-so for taking whatever it is you identified that they took from you. Some of you maybe aren't dealing with bitterness today. You still need to write this down because it's coming. <laughs> it's coming. You're gonna have to do this. If you're a follower of Jesus, forgiveness is a part of our life. When Jesus was on the cross, Jesus said, it is finished. And what he meant by that is that the debt had been paid. Everything that we owed God, all of our sin had been paid for by Jesus on the cross. There was a debt that you and I owed and Jesus paid for it. Listen, 
You won't pay for another person's debt that they owe you unless you understand Jesus paid your debt that you could never repay. So, last thought here, last thought. We don't forgive because people deserve it. We forgive because we have been forgiven. That's why we forgive. People don't deserve this, but we we forgive because because we have been forgiven in our life. Jesus hung on the cross. He paid for the debt that you could not pay. And by giving you freedom, he is giving you the spiritual power to be able to forgive those who have hurt you. And so in our life, we don't focus on the people that hurt us. Rather, we focus on the one who paid such a high price for us. When I realize how much I've been forgiven, when I realize how much I don't deserve it, then I can begin to offer and have pity on other people and I can begin to forgive them. I wanna close today with the Lord's Supper. And what a great way to end a series by remembering the debt that Jesus paid for us. We take the bread, which helps us to remember the broken body. We drink the juice, which reminds us of the blood that was spilled for our sins. And so we remember the sacrifice. We remember the debt that was canceled for us when we take the Lord's Supper. And therefore, that gives us the strength and the remembrance and the direction to forgive those who have hurt us. So how long? How long? How long? How long do you want this to go on? How long do you want this to go on? I know it feels good for a minute to hold on to that, but it feels so much better to release it. The way that we do the Lord's Supper here is we're gonna pass out bread, we're gonna pass out the juice, and band is just gonna play softly over us. You take the bread, you take the juice on your own. Scripture tells us to examine our heart, examine our life. It does tell us to forgive those that have hurt us, restore that relationship with God, and then we take it in a a, a moment and in a posture of worship today. So let's pray together. Father, Lord, this is one of those... um, concepts in scripture we see over and over and over again and it's also one of the most challenging and difficult things to to really do and I know in a room with so many people in it there there's a multitude of of hurt and pain in here we need to forgive this person that hurt us God some of us need to release it today some of us need to let it go Some people in the room have been harboring these thoughts and this ill will for such a long time that it has become second nature to them. It has consumed their heart. It's consumed their life. Their heart is hard. They have built walls up. I pray that you will break those walls down today, God. By your spirit, break them down all over the room. Break down those strongholds. People that have hurt you, we break them down in the name of Jesus. And pray, God, that you would fill us with a heart of compassion, that we would begin the process of forgiveness, that we begin the process of canceling the debt. Lord, this is a decision. You have given us direction, and by faith, we receive it today, and we walk in it in your grace and power and strength, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.